there, and welcome to Filmography in Focus, where we do deep dives into the filmographies of directors, franchises, and genre to bring into focus the motifs, techniques, and themes utilized so that we can fall in love with these films all over again. Thanks for listening to this first episode of Filmography in Focus. This month, we're going to be looking at the works of direct Korean director Bong Joon-ho. Specifically, we're looking at his seven feature films, Barking Dogs Never Bite, Memories of Murder, The Host, Mother, Snowpiercer, Okja, and Parasite. The full list of films can be found on my letterbox, link in the show notes. I also do from the body of work of video essays out there, which can be credited at the end of the episode, which will also be linked in the show notes and on Letterboxd. This discussion will include spoilers. It's not meant to critique or review these films, more so an observation of the motifs and techniques used and a meditation on the films that recur throughout his works. Many of Bong Joon-ho's films have individual themes and techniques and motifs throughout those individual films. This audio essay will focus on the ones that are prevalent through multiple of his films. Alright, let's get into it. The date is October 10th, 2019. I was out of work and making my way downtown to the IFC Center in the West Village of New York City. Earlier that summer, August 14th according to my email records, I had booked tickets for the 6.45pm New York premiere of a certain Korean film which came with the director Q&A. Having been a frequent watcher of films in the New York Asian Film Festival and having seen Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden in the Lincoln Center a few years ago, I was no stranger to Asian cinema. It would be a tough act to follow. I had just seen Joaquin Phoenix's Joker earlier that third Tuesday and had already considered it an early leader for one of my favorite movies of the year. As I settle into my seat, the staff tells us that it will be a sold-out screening so to please make room for anyone else who still needed a seat. In fact, I would later find out that all the screenings in New York had been sold out the entire weekend, even after the IFC Center had added additional screening times throughout the weekend. Once the event is over, I can only stare at the screen and curse under my breath in awe before the director and lead actor take the stage with the translators to discuss the film and the making of. I don't know it yet, but over the next four months, I would be feverishly following along as more and more people in my social circle discovered this film, as it slow rolled the release across the country, broke box office records for the highest per theater average, as YouTubers would rave about the editing, screenwriting, production, and directing and acting in video essays. As moments performed the film would be remixed into lo-fi hip-hop tracks, and as I got a second release in black and white, which I myself would go to see in theaters, a rarity for me to see a film twice. I didn't know it yet, but I was mere yards away from a man whose face I would see again and again throughout the award season. As I ran a podcast about trying to watch every film nominated for the Oscars that year, I couldn't help but compare them all to this film. That this director would reference this very screening and theater in his award speech at the Film Independence Spirit Awards, mentioning a rat running around in the audience during the Q&A. And while it was never a clear favorite to win, this film would go on to beat all odds to not only win Best International Feature Film, but also Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, and in a historic moment, the Oscar for Best Picture. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. I am of course talking about the film Parasite, and I'm talking about South Korean director Bong Joon-ho. 
I had actually seen his films, Snowpiercer and Okja in prior years, and with the success of Parasite in the most recent award season, I thought it as good a time as any to dive into the rest of his body of work. If Parasite could so profoundly touch me, so radically level up my ability to critically watch and analyze film, what more could the work of ba- director Bong do for me? Bong Joon-ho was born in 1969 in Daegu, South Korea, the son of an art professor and grandson of an esteemed author. Since the age of five, he had an interest in drawing and comic books, slowly shifting to become interested in film by age 14. Entering Yonsei University in 1988 as a sociology major, he quickly became involved in student activism and the South Korean democracy movement. While in college, he started a film club called Yellow Door and worked on various short films through the group before graduating in 1995. He also enrolled in the prestigious Korean Academy of Film Arts, where he made many connections with other directors by working on their projects after graduation for the next five years, including as a cinematographer, lighting technician, screenwriter, and assistant director. He also worked on many short films during this time period. In 2000, he had his feature directorial debut with this film, Barking Dogs Never Bite, about a floundering grad student who has a vendetta against the yapping dogs in his apartment complex. While it was initially a commercial flop, international critical acclaim at various film festivals eventually led it to break even domestically. This was followed with his 2003 mystery thriller, Memories of Murder, based on real-life serial murders at the time that were unresolved. The killer later confessed to the crimes in 2019. This continued his growth in international renown, which was followed up by his 2006 monster movie, The Host, featuring a family struggle against a CGI monster which set local box office records. In 2009, he returned to more grounded work with his film Mother, which was actually South Korea's submission for the foreign language Oscar that year, though it was ultimately not nominated. In 2013, director Bong took a big leap in the South Korean Czech co-production Snowpiercer, working with international actors such as Chris Evans, John Hurt, Tilda Swinton, and Octavia Spencer in his first English-language film based on the French comic book from 1982 about a train that endlessly circumnavigates the world. He followed it up again with the 2017 Netflix production Okja about a South Korean girl and her super pig, again featuring English-speaking supporting cast including Tilda Swinton, Stephen Yuen, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Paul Dano. This, of course, was followed up by his 2019 piece de resistance, Parasite, once again set in South Korea that, as you know, took home many awards across this year's film's award season, including the Golden Palm at the Cannes Film Festival, among many others. Throughout all these feature films, director Bong also contributed to sword film anthologies, which unfortunately we will not be looking in at this podcast, but are definitely worth checking out. So, what are the hallmarks of director Bong's style? One hallmark that stems from his original interest in comic books and storyboarding, as well as his work as a cinematographer on his friends' projects, is his unique brand of cinematography. This comes from the way that he approaches shooting his films. Before a single day is spent on set, and once the script has been completed, he goes through and creates thorough storyboards of each scene, detailing details such as camera movements, framing, and dialogue, almost as if he were animating a cartoon with instructions to animators. In fact, you can actually go and buy the storyboards for Parasite as a graphic novel to get a sense of what this looks like. This process allows for a number of things. First, each shot can have meaning and symbolism that would otherwise not be present. 
In Parasite, one motif was that of crossing a line. In using the architecture of the set around them, he could block the characters so that lines in the background separated characters of different social classes, contributing to this theme. Likewise, in Snowpiercer, he can use the framing of shots to set the relative position of characters to the rest of the train. Toward the left of the screen is toward the back of the train, and toward the right of the screen is the goal and the, at the front of the train. A character's progress throughout the film, as well as his narrative arc, follows whether the characters move left or right. Even beyond more than complex symbology and metaphors, there are still interesting shots using different lenses for different effect. Direct face-on shots with a telephoto lens allows the actor to stare back at the audience while the foreground and background are blurred, eliminating all other distractions, sometimes even cropping the face with the aspect ratio to focus on the eyes, the windows into the soul. Or maybe he uses a telephoto profile shot to keep something hidden from the audience, or inversely, use it to keep the background blurred while presenting something there as a clue for the eagle-eyed while the characters remain oblivious as it remains out of focus raising tension. Wide shots offer him the opportunity to contrast his character's emotional state against the world around him, be it a cold city or the warm, luscious nature. Other times, an overhead shot allows him to place the audience from a god's eye, impartial view, looking down with nothing hidden from his character's deeds. Secondly, and going with the idea of having more interesting compositions in his frames that actually mean something, director Bong is able to have longer shot lengths. Looking at some of his films at some databases for shot lengths of movies, Memories of Murder had an average shot length of 10 seconds, and Parasite, even though it's about the same length as a normal blockbuster film, only had about 950 shots versus, say, 1200 or 1500 in a typical film, and action films have even more, over 3000. Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino had an average shot length of 6 seconds, and frenetic action films like Taken have an average shot length of only 2 seconds. These longer shots aren't just still camera uh, in one place on a tripod either. In Memories of Murder, for example, at the very beginning, there was a two-minute single-take scene where the camp detectives are unable to properly secure a crime scene. Children and reporters are everywhere, tractors run over potential clues, and the forensic team stumble into ditches. Circling all over around the scene with the camera, Director Bong is able to capture the fraught impotence of the police force. Or in another scene in the same movie, two, de two detectives are having a drunken argument after drinking. The camera starts off wide with them in the center of the frame before slowly, almost imperceptibly so unless you're looking for it, zooming in on them, cutting out all external distractions and raising the tension as the fight goes on. All of these camera movements mean and convey something about the characters in frame, and that's all planned out in the storyboards that director Bong drafts out. Thirdly, by having these longer shots, director Bong is able to better capture the characters' emotions. In the normal production, directors who often suit what's known as coverage, in an interrogation for a scene, for example, you suit the entire conversation from one angle, perhaps a wide angle. Afterwards, you go back and reshoot the same scene, but from a close-up angle, focus on the subject, maybe the uh, suspect. And then you go back and reshoot the scene again, focus on a different character, maybe the detectives. And then you do it again for a few more times, maybe from behind the detective with the suspect in view, maybe vice versa. At the end of the day, after shooting, your editor will take all those takes, select what he judges are the best ones, and stitch them together to tell your story. What director Bong does, on the other hand, is suit only the shots he intends to use. Hence, the phrase editing while suiting, which is often used to discuss the style of suiting, though his editors, editors still have an important role to play. 
So instead of relying on coverage to find the best take of the actor, he's able to focus on the one angle that he has a vision for and then lets the actors work on eliciting the emotion necessary for the scene without needing to worry about trying to get it for the exact same way every time for coverage. The actors can get the emotion he needs from the shot he wants and the longer shot lengths allow those emotions to build over time without being interrupted by jumping to another perspective. This use of storyboards extends to more than just shot composition or cinematography. Color, for example, plays into the story he's trying to tell. Be it the use of red on his characters to show the violence and the impact the murders have had on the characters and memories, or how Mother's titular character has her wardrobe changed as the film goes on, showing her growing resolve to free her son. The sound present, or in some cases the lack of sound, in each shot adds to his world. The ambient noises are especially important in Barking Dogs as they show the nature of the apartment complex that is the setting of the film as cramped and at times claustrophobic, while also being used to raise tension. And even set production is a tool at his disposal. In one of my favorite anecdotes about the behind the scenes of Parasite, the Kim's house was the set that was constructed for the film. For the very first shot when Ki-Woon climbs the stairs, a fairly obvious metaphor throughout the film for climbing the social ladder, and he sees the house for the first time, they had determined the exact angle at which the sun would come into the camera's field of view, the first time we see the sun in the film as a symbol of this rise into the light. Imagine building an entire set with the consideration of what angle the sun would hit the camera. I must also give him credit as a screen amazing writer as he has written for all of his films. It's no wonder he won Best Screenplay, as his scripts, especially as he goes more experienced, are completely tight, with no minor detail, verbal or nonverbal, going unused in the service of the film's themes. Be it the throwaway line of the housekeeper and parasite eating for two people, only for it later to be revealed she was feeding for her husband, or also in Parasite, watch how the lights only turn on for Mr. Kim and not for any other character that goes up those stairs. Or also check how in Memories of Murder, the detectives are eating noodles together at one point and one of them asks for the noodles separate from the sauce, a symbol of how non-cohesive, non-unified they were at, the, at that point in time in the film. And while I can't say this final convention is uniquely Director Bong's or more broadly applicable to new wave Korean cinema, his works often play into the space of genre, while also breaking the conventions of those genres, and in fact blend together different genres and tones altogether, with various tone shifts common throughout his films from comedic to very serious. The Host, for example, is often described as a monster movie. However, unlike most monster movies, the attack on the river creature uh, takes place in broad daylight, not under the cover of dark like you'd expect. Memories of Murder seems like a typical detective film, but has no resolution at the end, which one would expect from such a mystery. And I would personally describe Parasite as a comedy heist in the first half that suddenly switches to a thriller mystery in the second. As a result, many have said that director Bong is a genre all to himself, a claim which I'm liable to believe in. So given these tools in his arsenal, what are the marks of a Bong Joon-ho film in terms of motifs? In line with his genre bedding, humor is often used, and specifically that of slapstick comedy. Director Bong is not above his characters acting like something out of the Three Stooges. His families roll around on the ground in The Host and in Parasite. Characters run into doors in Okja and Barking Dogs. They would drop kicks across his movies in Barking Dogs, Memories of Murder, and Mother that I can remember. Characters slip and fall all over the place in Snowpiercer, The Host, and Okja. The list goes on and on. I think part of this is to make the audience lose themselves more in the films if they, if they are enjoying themselves. But also, I think it just highlights his skill with timing. 
For example, and separate from Bong Joon-ho, how did Jordan Peele, a comedy sketch actor, go on to direct some of the best horror thriller films of recent years, such as Get Out, Us, and the upcoming Candyman? Because comedy and Tenzin both rely on the same principle, good timing. As someone who grew up as a fan of Alfred Hitchcock, director Bong is definitely able to use both sides of that coin at his timing. The side of comedy, building up to a punchline, and the side of tension, building up tension slowly and slowly before a breaking point is reached. And this is able to allow him to bend the convention of the genre to his will. And being able to have that certain tone shift between comedy and tension and seriousness and silliness, that all just is a mark of Bong Joon-ho. Part of the reason we're able to buy his characters being in both silly and serious situations is that they themselves straddle a line between good and wrong, right and evil. In fact, aside from the young children in his films, most, if not all of the teen and adult characters in his movies are pretty morally gray. In Barking Dogs Never Bite, for example, the grad student clearly does horrible things given his treatment of his neighbor, neighbor's dogs. However, in some sense, you can kind of understand his sense of helplessness that's misdirected given his job and relationship situation. In Memories of Murder, the, direct, the detectives go through an arc where they you know, do some really shady things with their false suspects up to inclu- and including torture. But you also get the sense that their heart is in the right place as they really want to try to solve the crime and help their community. In The Host, the central family are a bunch of screw-ups, alcoholic, lazy, cowardly, but also truly loving of their daughter, niece, and niece. And in Mother, you question what you whether yourself whether a mother's love, unconditional love for her son extends to excuse some of the horrible things he does. In Snowpiercer, Chris Evans' character is a pretty upright guy, but he admits to having committed cannibalism in the past and by the end of the film, seems to have almost given up everything you know, to get to the front. Is that someone that you really want to admire? And in Parasite, the most recent film, while the rich parks clearly don't consider the kilns at the same level themselves, you can hardly say they're malicious towards them, and the Kim themselves don't really mean any true harm to the parks, they're just trying to make a living, and they don't even consider themselves to be conmen at all, even though many others would say otherwise. As an aside, I also find it interesting how the mentally ill individuals play into Director Bong's work, specifically Du Jun in Mother as her son, and Kwang Ho, the witness, from Memories of Murder, that they somehow feel akin to children who soar in the rest of his films, who almost need to be protected, as many of the other children in his films do, and sometimes they are protected successfully, and sometimes not. Miha in Okja, Yunsyo in The Host, Da Song in Parasite, and Yeon in Snowpiercer, even the unnamed girl in Marking Dogs Who Lost Her Dog, or the schoolgirls of the small town in Memories. All of these characters kind of contrast the morally great characters with their relative uh, purity or innocence, even naivete. Really, the only seriously evil character I can think of that ever actually appears on screen might be the Americans in The Host, uh, who are almost cartoonishly evil in that films. But, you know, just quickly thinking through all of the films, the only other potentially real evil character might be the, you know, the murderer of murder of Memories of Murder, and he never does, doesn't even appear on film. Going back to Director Bong's meticulous planning of his thought composition, something that stands out to me are his thoughts where a character is recounting something that happened in the past and are conveying it or the thought and or the other thoughts to others or specifically the audience. And the memory almost materializes in the background without any cutaway to a corny flashback. For example, in Parasite, when Mrs. Park is talking about Da Song's um, 
like Mrs. Kim is talking about Da Song's birthday incident, the fridge opens up on their own, and the birthday cake is present on the floor as the camera peers over the edge of the table, which leads to a shot, um, you know, that later is recalled in the later on in the film. In Mother, when Jin Tae is interviewing a local boy about his relationship with Ah Jung, the girl who was murdered, the boy looks down and remembers her words to him as he lay on his lap, when she actually appears in his lap in this scene. And in The Host, as the family hungrily, yet silently, eat instant noodles to refuel, they remember their lost Hun Xiao, and her actress darts around them, every present in spirit, if not actually there. This metaphorical storytelling extends to the structure director Bong imposes on his films. It is very common for his films to begin and end on similar thoughts and situations. In Barking Dogs, we start out from behind, looking behind the grad student as he gazes out of a window talking to his friend about his inability to secure a position as a professor. And by the end, he has to become that professor looking out of the window of his classroom. In Memories of Murder, we start with a young boy looking directly into the audience at the scene of the first crime as Director Park comes to the scene. In the end, Detective Park, joined by a young girl, returns to the, f- to the field 20 odd years later before gazing directly back into the audience as the boy did. The fields, behind- the fields behind him darker in hue as the shadow of murder still looms over the town. In Mother, we start with En Medieres as the mother dances mysteriously in, a- in her wheat field. Her motions of-, of the time unclear to us, but yet she gazes straight on at us. By the end, after she uses her acupuncture to make herself forget the pain of her deeds, she begins dancing through the bus windows, partially obscured to us in con- contrast to the head-on dancing at the beginning. In The Host, we have the family beginning uh, at their snack shop on the Han River, and by the end, even though Hyun Seo is no longer with us, the newly adopted boy again has joined the father for um, a meal, and he has become a much better father as a result of the events of the film. Finally, in Parasite, Ki-woo begins and ends the movie in the same sub-basement, albeit with different family members present. At the beginning, he's at day, it is day, he's seeking out to steal Wi-Fi from the neighbors to connect to the rest of the world uh, through dishonest means. At the end, at night, he resolves to try to chase an impossible dream to, to try to help his father through honest means, even if we know that he will ultimately fail in that quest. We have the techniques and we have the motifs, but what about the themes that the director Bong places in his movies? In this exercise of trying to find these, I find it useful to look at the title of his films. Some of these are pretty straightforward. Mother, Okja, and Snowpiercer all refer to the titular parent, Superpig, or Train, respectively. However, in his other films, there is some degree of dual meaning, a literal and also a secondary metaphorical meaning. In Barking Dogs Never Bite, literal meaning is how the loud dogs in the apartment don't actually hurt the grad student despite their barking. On the flip side, we see how the grad student, who metaphorically doesn't bark um, through his general non-confrontationalness, ends up biting those around him and hurting them, a hidden warning of the pressures placed upon him. In Memories of Murder, the literal meaning is it's a recollection of Detective Park's memories of investigating those murders. However, with him looking into the audience's eyes at the end, silently asking what we might know, as well as the various thoughts from the perspective of the killer throughout the film, this suggests that the memories referred to in the title could be that of the murderer, who has not yet been caught at the time of the film's release and who might have been among the audience watching the film. For the host? Well, that begs the question, who is the host? 
Is that what we're calling the monster in the movie? Is it referring to how the father in the film is accused of being the host of a virus? Or is Korea the host of an American military's presence? And in Parasite, in a kind of nice mirror imagery to the host, who is the Parasite? Is it the Kim family who leases off of the Park family? Is it the Park family who lives off of the work that the Kim family provides for them? Is, the basement, is it the basement family who is a parasite within the house? Or is it perhaps the hierarchical structure of a society that can only continue to exist due to the social disparity and lack of class solidarity? It is common throughout Bong Joon Ho for him to critique and take a look at the social systems that have failed or uh, have failed its members of society. Most specifically, he tends to be fairly critical of capitalism and the relative dog-eat-dog nature um, and the class system that it perpetuates. Perhaps this is tied to his roots as a student activist and involvement in left-wing political parties. In Barking Dogs Never Bite, the pressures of the promotion system within the university causes the grad student to snap and cause harm to those around him and this is especially exemplified by the corruption and the need for bribery to actually gain a position as a professor this is also shown how the mother who is a the wife who is a uh, pregnant woman loses her job and gets a mere pittance uh for her severance pay in memories of murder the most uh obvious corrupt system is that of the police department uh, at the beginning of the film um detective park and his partner uh torture sus suspects um and they're completely inept in actually being able to try to solve this particular murder mi mystery in mother once again we have a case of an incompetent police force um you know they're completely unable to correctly solve the crime i mean they happen upon it you know spoilers by uh finding getting the son but they don't actually do any of the detective work that's all done by the mother um she actually ends up finding them and at the end of the movie the detectives are completely mistaken in who they end up arresting for the crime uh, of the murder but another case here is that the poverty uh that is placed upon the mother and her son uh caused her despair earlier on when the son was only when dujun was only five years old causing the mother to want to commit a murder suicide between them which ultimately fails and in some cases, some are speculating that that attempt is what caused his mental his mental uh, illness. In the host, the American interference uh, is obviously present, but also there's the incompetence of the Korean government and bureaucracy in being able to find the supposed virus and also in being able to uh, find the location of the uh, monster and rescue the daughter, or even believe that the daughter is not dead at all. In Okja. Miha, Misa, the daughter, the the girl, is able to save one of the super pigs, but not all of them. And there's that haunting shot as he leaves the slaughterhouse of them all being set to be killed off. And in the end, she and her grandfather, as well as their baby super pig, go to live off the grid, away from everyone. Kind of almost one of the happiest endings of anyone of any of his films. In Parasite, the social hierarchy is told through the visual architects of the film, the family going from the sub-basement up to the rich family's house, climbing upstairs, and you can see when they have to leave the stairs, when the family returns from the rained-out picnic, um, the son, daughter, and father have to travel down the stairs a long, long way down before it is ultimately flooded and they have to find refuge in a gym. And there's, of course, the whole literal architecture of one family being trapped in the basement below the rich family. 
There's also stories of the Lone Sarks causing uh, the Basement family to have to seek refuge there, and the failed business ventures that put the Kims in that position. Um, and in Snowpiercer, kind of the most uh, direct case for the failures of capitalism, how this train is divided into very little classes, the back train class, a middle class uh, with an education, and an upper class uh, who devolves into hedonistic use of drugs to ignore the problem. Um, you know, the social disparity between all the different sections of the train um, have the characters trying to create chains within the train system by going to the front and trying to take over um, from the conductor. However, they find that, you know, that would just be an ultimate failure and there would be no meaningful change at the end of the day. Um, the only real ability to change that is to completely destroy the system, upend the train, and have people leave the train actually into the brand new wilderness. In addition to the idea of um, capitalism uh, and social systems being corrupt and causing stress among you know the lower uh, poor classes of the world, um, Bong Joon-ho also makes a case for the need for class solidarity um, within his films. Uh, in the more fantastical films, you know it seems to be a case that class solidarity is a possibility. In the host, you see the poor family who, despite the differences and despite their failures, come together to try to rescue their daughter or niece. Um, and at the end of the film, they're able to take their uh, flaws and use those flaws to be able to take down the monster at the end of the film. In Snowpiercer, you have the back classes um, rising up together, and even though only one of them is able to make it to the end of the train at the very front, um, they still do rise together and are able to ultimately uproot the system. And in Okja, you have the animal liberation front coming together to try to rescue uh, the pigs, and even though they're unable to make the change, they still do come together to try to, um, in a form of class solidarity. On the other hand, his more realistic um, his more realistic uh, films um, have issues with uh, showing realistic class solidarity. In Marking Dogs Never Bite, um, you know, you have the uh, poor um, grad student unable to uh, find his way, and it's a dog eat dog world where they're trying to compete for one professorship. Uh, in Mother, you have the mother, when going to the funeral, um, being kicked out and being disgraced and not, you know, receiving help from anyone else. Um, and in Parasite, um, as mentioned before, the Kims and the Basin family, um, you know, they are unable to come to get terms where they could have really helped each other and continue to live, you know, uh, and keep their position uh, beneath the rich Park family, but ultimately chose to tear each other down, um, and which caused led to the ultimate uh, and bad situation for everyone involved in the film. Finally, uh, there's also another note, um, you know, in here that I would want to mention that Bong Joon-ho seems to have a case for the idea of being pro-Korean nationalism and pro-Korean sovereignty. Um, in Memories of Murder, he makes the case, um, you know, comparing the uh, Detective Park makes the case that Koreans have a particular way of doing, of solving crimes, um, of the need to, you know, walk, use their own two feet to go and try to solve crimes um, and even if he may be mistaken in the end that's still a case where he's dismissive of the FBI um, and their ability to you know do particular crimes and the sending the 
sending the, the, the DNA sample off to be uh, looked at in America, uh, ultimately being unable to find the killer there through the DNA sample might be a seen as a uh, indictment of that um, in addition the fact that you know they are obsessed with uh, crime television shows um, which most likely come from an influence of western um, de- detective shows which I imagine Bong Joon-ho also loved as well growing up um, influencing the way in which Detective Park uh, tried to conduct his uh, investigations um, into the following proper protocol um, again a similar indictment uh, in the host, uh, it's kind of been already noted before, but the idea of the whole problem was caused by the American military base. Um, one, dumping the chemicals into the river, causing the mutation, but also the Americans um, interfering by using you know, Agent Yellow to, to try to deal with a um, supposed virus that was never confirmed to be there and their uh, willful ignorance that the, vi- that the virus wasn't actually present. In Okja, all of the pain and suffering is caused by an American company that's trying to um, create this food to create this food situation. Um, and in Parasite, um, in a small hidden uh, note, um, Jessica, the, the famous Jessica Jingle, you know, Jessica, only child, Illinois, Chicago, um, is actually to the tune of a Korean so- children's song, Dokdo is Our Land, which is actually a military uh, song about the islands of Dokdo that is uh, a point of contention between uh, Korea and Japan. Finally, the other last theme that I think is prevalent among Bong Joon-ho's work uh, is his, the theme of respect for nature. Uh, Snowpiercer um, comes about the events of the of the situation come about when the humans use CW17 to try to reverse global warming. Warming, however, that caused global cooling instead, and the entire world began to freeze, leading to all of humanity being trapped on that single train. And at the end of the film, when the two children leave the train, they are faced with the majesty of. Um, nature in front of them in a similar way barking dogs never bite um you know paying respect to the animals of nature specifically the pets um you know is is bad the um the whole situation is caused because the grad student is unable to respect the dogs and respect nature um but by the end of the film the two girls are able to face the uncertain future um by going on a hike in the mountains um Similarly, in Okja, probably his one, another one of his more direct uh, indictments upon um, humans trying to play God with nature. Um, you know, the idea of humans trying to live in harmony with nature because we already over eat our food and over you know use the resources of this planet. Trying to play God by craft creating a super pig uh, is looked down upon. Director Bong famously went vegan temporarily after visiting a slaughterhouse in preparation for the film. And finally, the host, uh, the monster is caused by the arrogance of man uh, and their disrespect for nature by dumping chemicals into the river. I think back to what it was about Parasite that captured so many people's imagination over the past half year or so. What it was that allowed them to overcome that one-inch barrier that so often holds people back from seeing the great cinema out there beyond America's borders. How did this film, in a year that so directly came at the social disparity facing our world today, be the one to out Joker Joker, out Knives Out Knives Out, out Ready or Not, Ready or Not? How did Director Bong bring Korean cinema into the limelight when another great Korean film from last year, Burning, not quite get there? The best explanation I can have is that he is a modern-day Aesop 
the modern-day Brothers Grimm. Like them, Director Bong crafts fairy tales, modern-day fables, parables, about to show us the reality of the world around us. Some are fantastical, the train that never ends, the little girl and her super pig, the monster from the river. Some are more grounded, the grad student and the dog, the mother and her son, the poor Kims and the rich Parks. And like fairy tales of old, his stories can be enjoyed on many levels. On one hand, they can just be an entertaining sequence of events, which, when crafted well, leads to a time well spent in their telling, especially when executed well. And on another level, it offers something for those who are willing to dig deeper, to dissect every choice he has made as a director, a writer, a cinematographer, an editor, to package up his message into something that's easy to swallow, even though the medicine itself isn't always the most pleasant. I mean, it's no wonder that so many of his works draw from other tales from real life that we already can deal with. Mother, memories of Murder are from a real-life serial killer story. Barking Dogs Never Bite from The Dogs of Flanders. Parasite comes from his own experience as a tutor in college. Heck, there's a reason why someone was able to find so many similarities between Snowpiercer and that of Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, to the point that I'm convinced that Wonka Piercer is canon. Seriously, go check it out, it's wild. By the end of the day, I think by bending genres, by paying attention to the details that someone's going to notice, and by sticking to his true beliefs and sle- sle- sneakily slipping them in there, he's able to create these modern-day fairy tales that have a little bit of something for everyone. And I think that, that's the secret, that's the appeal, and the magic of director Bong Joon-ho. Thanks for listening to this episode of Filmography in Focus on Bong Joon-ho. Hopefully, even without the visual element in describing an audiovisual medium, I was able to illustrate my points clearly enough. If you want to explore more content out there about him, there's an extensive list of video essays and interviews I watched and read in preparation for this video. A full list of links can be found in the show notes, but credit can go to the following YouTubers. Accented Cinema, Akshay Pradeep, Birth Death Movies, Cinefix, Chris Well. Every Frame a Painting, Fandor, Film Radar, Flick Fanatics, Just Right, Cubic's Cube, Little White Lies, The Lookout, Mandarin Cat Vis- Visuals, Nerd Rider, Renegade Cut, Rhino Stew for that amazing Wonka Piercer video essay, The Winger, St- Script Sleuth, Spakima Movies, Thomas Flight, Tiff Originals, and Tross Corlures. There's also an essay by Nicholas Smith on storymaps.arcus.com that's worth checking out. For the April 20th, 2020 episode of Filmography in Focus, originally I was going to watch James Bond films, but with no time to die, being delayed till April, instead we're going to work, watch the works of a director whom Bong Joon-ho really looks up to, David Fincher. The films for next month's episodes will be Seven, The Game, Fight Club, Panic Room, the Curious Case of Benjamin Vudden, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, and Zodiac, the film very similar to Memories with Murder that Bong Joon-ho really looks up to. We'll be skipping David Fincher's directorial debut, Alien 3, since it's part of a larger franchise. The link to a letterbox list with all those films can be found in my show notes. 
If you have any thoughts on David Finzer's work, any reactions to Bong Joon-ho's works or my analysis, or feedback or suggestions for this podcast in general, please send an email over to filmographyandfocuspodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at filmonfocuscast. Your comments might make it into the next show. Our intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, remember to keep focused and that the show goes on.